0: Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for giving us, Lord, the opportunity to come together and, Father, Lord, to to love one another and to pray for one another, Lord, but more than that, Lord, to come and to hear you speak to our hearts. And, Father, that's the beauty of your word, Lord, your love letter to us, Father, to the Bible, your written word, Lord, and as we open it up, Lord, it speaks to us. And so, Father, speak to us this morning, Lord. I pray that and trust that our hearts, uh, the soil of our hearts have been prepared to receive the very seed of your word and so, Father, Lord, we just surrender our lives to you this morning. Lord, I pray that we would walk out of this place, leave this place different than when we walked in and be more like you and less like ourselves, Lord. We love you. We praise you, Lord. I decrease that you increase. I empty myself of myself, so fill me with yourself that everything that I say and do every thought that enters my mind would be of you and not of me. I pray this in Jesus' name, all God's will said. Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles or Bible app, uh, turn to Proverbs chapter 11. uh, The whole chapter is today's text. We're now in part 12 of our series, Wisdom That Works. Everyone say that, Wisdom That Works. Again, we're now in part 12 of this series. And as always, before we even dive into the text, I want to do a quick review from last week's text, and that was all of chapter 10. And I gave you four points. You, you might remember these points. The first one was wisdom and foolishness. Everyone say that. Wisdom and foolishness. That's in verses 1 through 5 of chapter 10. And, and Solomon writes, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish son grief to his mother. So wise son, glad father, foolish son, sad mother, right? And then he goes on to say, being right with God brings a, a benefit that money cannot buy, in, in fact, it can save your life. Also, he says that God will take care of the righteous. If you believe that, say amen. That they're satisfied, that we're, we're satisfied, right? But he will, God will block the cravings of the wicked, leaving their greedy desire and their craving for wealth and life unfulfilled and unsatisfied. And then Solomon says, hard work, we know this, right? And diligence will be rewarded and laziness won't. The second point of last week's text was effects of speech. Everyone say that. And that's in verses 6 through 14. And there Solomon points out the effects of good and bad communication on oneself and also on others. The third point was wealth and security. Say that. And that's in verses 15 through 17. And he says that the earnings of the righteous person brings about, I love this, life giving results. But there's that contrast but the wicked squander their income for what? Sinful purposes. And bring ruin upon themselves. And the fourth point of last week's text was deeds and destinies. Say that. Deeds and destinies. This is verses 18 through 32. And it's connections between actions and their consequences. And what we do and what we say and the outcome of that. And what wisdom does, wisdom produces acceptable speech. Whereas a lack of wisdom produces offensive and perverted speech. And the text says, the tongue of the righteous, I love this, is choice silver. Don't you love that? In other words, their words and advice are of great value, but there's a contrast there, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. In other words, friends, this is why their desires, the wicked, their desires are worth nothing. This now brings us to today's text, and the title of my message is Wisdom Avoids Wickedness. Everyone say that. A little more enthusiasm, say that. Wisdom. All right, like that. Now remember back in chapter 10, We started the actual Proverbs in Solomon's series, Solomon's series of two-phrase, single verse, observations, wisdom sayings. And we know this, right? Each proverb, each verse is its own sermon. What we have here is moral principles, nuggets of truth, a practical wisdom, this is now given to instruct our lives, lessons for life. Now, what we have in this chapter, just like in the previous chapter. Are contrast couplets? Say that. Contrast couplets. Con, in other words, contrasting thoughts that have been linked together with the word but. Say, but. Now I want to say this. It is not easy, friends. Okay, I've been I've been here as your pastor for almost 30 years now. It is not easy to exposit the book of Proverbs. I've exposed a lot of the books of the Bible, but this is not easy, not to mention creating an outline for each message, and I'll tell you why, two reasons. First of all, because each verse is separate and complete in itself, and and most of the time unrelated to the next verse, okay? So they're they're like random thoughts, but that's just Hebrew poetry, that's the way it is. Second of all, there is very little to comment on, because each of them become a complete little thought and finish within the verse itself. So it's kind of like, it's almost, they're all already exposing just on the verse itself. You really don't have to do a lot of explanation on that. So it's kind of difficult to kind of expound, but I'm I'm doing my best to expound as much as I can, right? Okay, all right. So five points, if you're ready, say yes. Number one is this, honesty and righteousness. And say that, honesty and righteousness. And we're going to look at verse 1. In verse 1, Solomon writes, the Lord detests dishonest scales, but, there's a contrast, but... Contrast couplets, but accurate weights are his delight. So this is speaking about integrity in business transactions. Got it? Integrity in business transactions. Now, in the ancient times, they used to do all of their merchandising with balance scales. And they had these little weights, or at that time, perhaps stones. These little weights of stones, and the weights of stones would be set on the other side of the balance. So they would put, like, perhaps grain or grapes or whatever it might be on the until the scales balanced out. But these dishonest people would uh, oftentimes have two sets of weights. You guys with me? One they would buy with and the other they would sell with. And this this was known as a false balance. You retain more when you want to sell. You make the other person think they're getting a good deal when in fact you're ripping them off. It's like a butcher putting his thumb on the scale to weigh it down. Right, a little, a little bit more, so he won't sell you a full pound of beef. It's kind of like that. Well, guess what? This is an abomination to God. He hates this because God hates dishonesty, and He wants you and I to deal fairly and honestly with our business dealings, transactions. In fact, in Deuteronomy, write this down. Go home and read it. Deuteronomy chapter twenty-five, verses thirteen through sixteen. God prescribed for his children concerning their business transactions. Now, I understand that this is speaking, the text itself is speaking about business transactions, but this could also imply for us and applies to us when we sell stuff online or sell stuff to a neighbor. Are we being honest? Are we upping the price when we know there's something wrong with it? And we're not telling them. Are you guys with me? God hates dishonesty, but guess what? He delights, he delights, in honesty, God loves integrity and honesty in all of our dealings. And I'll never forget, my, my, my daddy's now home with the Lord, been almost five years now, and he says, "Mijo, integrity is all you have. That's all you got. God loves integrity and honesty. So are you guys ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson. Honesty is more important than your pocketbook. Honesty is more important than your pocketbook. So next time you do some kind of transaction or you're selling something, remind yourself, listen, honesty is more important than what I make. What's in my pocketbook? Because God delights, he loves honesty, right? And out of all people on the face of this earth, we believers ought to display a lifestyle of honesty, correct? Right? Verse two, when pride comes, in other words, conceit and arrogance, self-indulgent living, and egotism. So when that comes, pride, then comes what? Disgrace. In other words, we know that pride goes before a, a fall. But, here's a contrast, but with humility comes, I love this, wisdom. With humility comes what? Say it. Wisdom. Listen, church, pride, pride comes naturally to us, doesn't it? Be honest, you're in church Right? Pride comes naturally to us. Humility doesn't. It just doesn't. And I want to say this humility is a learned, supernatural trait that God must work in us for it to benefit our lives and for it to be effective in our lives. Yeah? So, are ready for the lesson? Here's the lesson humility and wisdom go hand in hand. Can't have one without the other. Are you guys with me? If you're saved, say amen. Humility is an important foundation for for true wisdom. Say true wisdom. Because what it does, it recognizes, and I love this, it recognizes the truth about who God is and about who we are. Got it? You see, the humble take God's advice, and that's their wisdom, whereas the, the proud reject God's advice, and that's their downfall. So we must humble ourselves. If we want wisdom, humble ourselves. And, and humbling ourselves is saying, God, I know you're God and I'm not. You know, you're higher, smarter, stronger than I am. And Lord, I need you. and Therefore, I need your wisdom. I'm going to humble myself, Lord, walk in humility because I need your wisdom. Verses 3 through 8, if you're still with me, say amen. Verse 3, the integrity, love that word, Of the upright guides them. Now we know this. Integrity uh, means simply being faithful, uh, keeping your promise, doing what you say you do. It's honesty and reliability. That's what integrity is. It's a life lived without, get this now, a life lived without secrets. Get that? Without secrets. And by the way, integrity is from the Hebrew root meaning, the Hebrew root meaning complete. Say complete. And this word indicates ethical straightness. Ethical straightness. Living with integrity keeps the upright, the righteous, on the right path, right? Which helps them avoid much of the trouble which sin brings. But, here's a contrast, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. In other words, deceitfulness. It implies someone who lies. This implies someone who twists the words for their own profit. Someone who doesn't want to walk in integrity. They don't care about integrity. It's not part of their life. Verse 4, verse 4. Wealth is worthless. Say that, say that. Wealth is worthless in the day of what? Wrath. But, love this, but righteousness delivers from death. That's an amazing verse, and we can go for days just on this verse. Right? For days. But simply what this is saying is that money cannot deliver you on the day of wrath. I don't care how much money you have. It will not deliver you on the day of wrath. Only a righteous standing with God will. Can someone say amen? Verse 5, the righteousness of the blameless. Not perfect, not perfect, but blameless, which means no hidden secrets, no skeletons in the closet, no surprises, a person of integrity, sincerity, and consistency. So the, righteous of the, bla- the righteousness of the blameless makes a straight way for them, but, here's the contrast, the wicked are brought down by their own, what? Wickedness. So this contrasts the lifestyles of those who pursue godliness, and those who pursue godliness have a straight path, right? A contrast with those with those who indulge in sin those who indulge in sin have a destructive path. So there's a contrast there. Verse 6, and this is similar. Verse 6 is similar to the previous verse, verse 5. It says, the righteousness of the upright delivers them, but, here's a contrast, the unfaithful are trapped by evil desires. So we know that they are, they're going to be, speaking of the wicked people, evil people, they're going to be ensnared by their own sin, okay? Verse 7, when a wicked man dies, his hope perishes. I'm going to read that again when a wicked man, woman, person dies, his hope perishes, all he or she expected from his or her power. In other words, the expectations of their labor. Of that comes what? To nothing. So the wicked person will lose all of their money, all of their possessions, lose everything that they achieved in life because why? Because they lived only for the temporary. That's it. For the now, they have not thought about eternity. It's not on on their mind. They don't care about eternity. And for them, everything is wrapped up in this world. And when this is now, and when they leave this world, that's it. Curtains down. That's history. The expectation perishes. And by the way, this is clear that there is no purgatory. And therefore, no deliverance from purgatory. If you got it, say got it. Verse 8, verse 8, the righteous man is rescued from trouble and it comes to the wicked instead. Oh, you know what comes to mind when I read this? What comes to mind is the book of Esther. We, we've been to the book of Esther. You guys know this, right? And what it does, it illustrates the very truth of this past, of this verse. Verse 8, Mordecai, a righteous Jew, we know this, right? Mordecai, a righteous Jew, was delivered from the gallows that wicked Haman had constructed for him. Right? Got it? But Haman was what? Hang there. Right? Got it? Got it? So the righteous man is rescued from trouble and it comes on the wicked instead. So here's a lesson no plan or plot from the wicked will ever succeed against God's people. And you got to take this to heart, friends. Are you with me? Again, no plan or plot from the wicked, will ever succeed against God's people. If you're saved, say amen. I don't know who's planning or plying against you. I don't know. There's people in our lives who just don't like us, okay? But let me say this. No weapon that is formed, right, against us shall what? Prosper. That's Isaiah 54, 17. In other words, no weapon formed against us, right, will have its ultimate effect in our lives, Got it? Whatever they're planning and plotting against you, that will not have its ultimate effect on my life and your life. Amen? So honesty and righteousness, number two, is words in community. Say that. Words in community. Write that down. Verses 9 through 15. With his mouth, the godless destroy his neighbor. In other words, with their flattering What they do is they hide their real intention until they accomplish their evil purpose. But, here's a contrast, through knowledge, say knowledge, through knowledge, the righteous escape. So, in other words, knowledge, what it does, knowledge delivers them from sinning against their neighbor. Why? I'll tell you why. Because they know God commands us to love our neighbor. Doesn't he? He commands us to love our neighbor. So, if you're saved, say amen. Don't destroy your neighbor. Are, are you guys with me? Well, who's your neighbor? Everybody. Everybody. Right? Those in your neighborhood, those in the store, those at work, those who you run into just on your daily life, going about living. That's your neighbor. Right? That's your neighbor. Verse 10. When the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. Say, righteous. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. So as much as the community rejoices over the blessing of the righteous, they also celebrate the calamity in the end of the wicked. Verse 11, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted. Here we go, contrast, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. Righteous lives, listen, friends, righteous lives. Strengthen the community. And boy, don't we need that today. Right? Righteous lives strengthen the community. While the wicked, what the wicked does is corrupt and overthrow it. Christians, we need to live like we know God. Amen? Because righteous lives strengthen the community. If we want our community to be strengthened, right, then we as Christians in the community need to live righteous lives. Not perfect lives, but righteous lives, right? It's not just knowing God, but living like you know Him. Are you with me? Verse 12, a man who lacks judgment derides, in other words, mocks, scoffs at or ridicules his neighbor, but contrast, a man of understanding holds his tongue. (coughs) Did you get that? In other words, a person of wisdom recognizes, and we talked a little bit about this last week, right, about the tongue, but a person of wisdom recognizes that there is a time and there is also a place to hold back their tongue. And I want to tell you, it's better to say nothing than to say or speak evil things, right? Verse 13, listen to this one. a gossip betrays a confidence. I'm going to stop there because if, If you like to gossip, right? If you like to gossip, you probably have friends or acquaintances who wonder if they can trust you with confidential information. Huh? But, but, a trustworthy man or woman. Say trustworthy. In other other words, one who proves themselves trustworthy. One upon whom people can depend. But a trustworthy man or woman keeps a secret. Do you get that? Listen, maintaining confidence, gotta get this, maintaining confidence strengthens relationships, while a fool's gossip destroys them. Now, I want you to write this down. Chapter 16 of Proverbs, verse 28b, says this A gossip separates. Close friends. How many, how many friendships have we have been? How many friendships have been destroyed because someone couldn't keep their mouth shut? Huh? If you you have a person that you always tell things to you and, and they can't keep a secret, just don't hey, just don't associate with them. I'm just being honest, okay? Don't tell them those things anymore that, okay, don't tell them that. And if you stop telling that, that will stop the problem right in the beginning. It's those, say those, who have a faithful spirit who conceal, conceal a matter. They won't tell anybody. If you tell them, I'm, I'm sharing this with you in confidence, they won't go blab it. They'll conceal it. Amen? Verse 14. For lack of guidance, in other words, no wise direction or leadership, a nation what? False. But, contrast, many advisors, I love this, many advisors make victory sure. It's good to get advice from others. Did you know that? It, it really is. It's good to get advice from others and don't just rely on your own perspective. And before we make, before we make any major decisions, major decisions, we should talk to people because there are always areas that we have not checked out, right? That we're blinded to. Areas we have not considered. Someone said this, there are two quick ways to disaster. Number one, don't take counsel from anyone. Number two, take counsel from everybody. Right? <laughs> huh? If you're saved, say amen. We, listen now, we need to get godly counsel. Godly counsel, say godly counsel. And and we need to do this. We need to wait before we make any major decisions. We need to wait and pray, read God's word, search God's word, look at God's word, be in God's word, keep going through God's word, and ask someone that we know who are in touch with God and God's word about the decisions that we're going to make. And make sure your counsel comes from godly counsel. I never tell people, follow your heart. I tell them, lead your heart to God's word. Because our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Are you guys with me? So make sure whenever you make a decision, seek wise counsel. See, I'm just amazed at some believers who just make these decisions without seeking counsel. You have pastors and elders here. Wonderful wise women and men here that can guide you into all truth, amen? The problem is that we go and ask people for for wisdom or advice because we know they're going to tell us what we want to hear, right? But a godly man or woman is going to tell you what you need to hear, amen? Verse 15, he who puts up security for another will surely suffer, but whoever refuses to strike hands in pledge is safe. Now, we already covered this in chapter 6, Verses 1 through 5, and Solomon, what he does, he warns us about taking on a credit obligation on behalf of another person or co-signing or entering into a business transaction with someone who could easily send you into financial ruin. In other words, he's saying this: there is security, he says security, in being responsible only for your own debts, okay, for the things that you and I have control over. Honesty and righteousness, number two, words and community. Number three, kindness or selfishness. Say that. Kindness or selfishness. Verses 16 through 17. A kind-hearted, your Bibles might render it as gracious woman, gains respect. In other words, there's honor. In other words, she carries with herself a sense of honor and dignity. Her kind and pleasant disposition give her, in other words, an honored and powerful standing in the community. But contrast, ruthless men gain only wealth. In other words, honor, honor and dignity is not important to them. Not important to them. All, all they care about is money and making money. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the can and spoil the rest. That's their mindset. They're selfish. Wealth is their God. Verse 17 A kind man benefits himself. Now, now the New Living Translation says like this Your own soul is nourished. I love this when You are kind. Uh, the King James. I love the King James. What it says: the merciful man or woman. Say merciful. Doeth good to his own or her own soul. In other words, the one who shows mercy to others will be shown mercy. Right? Matthew chapter Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five, excuse me, verse seven. Jesus, the master of mercy, said this: Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive what mercy. Get that? I want you to write this down. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke 6, verse 38. I'm gonna read it to you and I'm gonna point something out to you about this verse. Luke 6, 38. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, let me say this, okay? Christians, pastors, Christians, teachers, use this verse to talk about tithing or offerings or giving, but the context, if you read the context of that chapter, it's showing mercy. This is about mercy. In other words, you give mercy, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He's talking about mercy. In fact, the verse prior to 38, friends, you'll see where Jesus talks about mercy. I'm not saying you can't use that, but it's, it's in con- contextually, it's speaking about mercy. Are you guys with me? So here's a lesson, be merciful. Say that. What's mercy? Mercy is love and action. Write that down. Say love and action. Love in action. And what it means, it means, listen now, I will be patient with others. Oh boy, that's a big one, huh? I will be patient with others. I will forgive those who have fallen. I will help those who are hurting. Listen now, I will do good to my enemies. Whoa, huh? Why be merciful? I mean, think about it. Why should I be merciful? Well, because God has shown me mercy. And you know why? (laughs) Because I'm going to need mercy in the future. Perhaps tomorrow, perhaps today, perhaps next week. I'm going to need it, right? I'm going to need it in the future. We need mercy in the future. Be, be, be good to yourself. How, 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 how am I good to myself? I'll tell you how. Be merciful to others. And that's, that's the whole text there, okay? If, if I want to be good to myself, then I'll be good to others, merciful to others. And I hope here, I cry out, we're known as a place of mercy. In other words, friends, that we are patient with others. Not only that, but that we're forgiving to the fallen and that we help those who are hurting. And and even when people do bad to us, we do good to them. Can I get an amen? If we give it, we get it. If we don't give it, we don't get it. Got it? (laughs) Right? Right? Okay. A pastor was stopped by by a traffic cop for speeding. And as the cop was about to write the ticket, the pastor said to him, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And the cop handed the pastor the ticket and said, Go thou and sin no more. That's cold-blooded, huh? (laughs) That's cold-blooded. All right. It's all good, though. (laughs) But look at the contrast. But a cruel man brings trouble on himself, on herself. In other words, when you try to hurt someone else, you end up hurting yourself. Yeah? Verses 18 through 22, if you're still with me, say amen. The wicked man earns deceptive wages. In other words, they are neither real or lasting. And what they think they're getting is going to bring them security, but instead it's deception. It's deceptive. It's unable to bring them long-lasting expectations. But, there's a contrast, he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. So we know this is the law of the harvest, right? The law of the harvest, what you sow is what you said, reap. So their righteous work is like seed that has been, what, sown, planted. Now the reward may be material. It might be spiritual. It might be relational. The principle is the lasting value of the rewards of righteousness. Those rewards are lasting. Verse 19. The truly righteous man attains life. I love that. In other words, the path of righteousness is a path of life. But, here's the contrast, he who pursues evil goes to his death. They're on the path of death. Very simple, right? It's very self-explanatory. Verse 20, the Lord detests men of perverse heart. In other words, full of crookedness and malice. But, contrast, he delights in those, say he delights. He delights in those whose ways are blameless. Friends, the Lord, God, the God that we serve and worship, is, listen now, is well-pleased with those who are pure and straightforward in their conduct. In other words, friends, listen now, he delights in us. Got it? That should blow your mind, that he delights in those who are blameless. Wow. That when I walk in a way that's blameless and righteous, God delights in me. He delights in you. How amazing is that? Verse 21. Be sure of this, take, in other words, when he says be sure of this, take this to the bank, man. It's a guarantee, count on it. Be sure of this, the wicked will not go unpunished. But those who are righteous will go what? Free. In other words, those who live righteous lives, who practice, practice say practice, righteousness, will escape judgment. We're talking about a lifestyle, practice. Verse 22, love this one. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. The message says it like this. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful face on an empty head. And so what Solomon does here, he uses some humor here, right? He uses humor here in this verse, and he, we know this, right? He and the nation, he and his nation hated pigs, right? They believed that pigs were unclean, unholy animals, right? This is why they never ate them. To this day, Jews don't do that. Only what is kosher. And Solomon's point is on uh, and and this is the point. An ugly pig doesn't become beautiful even if it has a gold ring in its snout. Got it? In the same way, a foolish woman, a foolish woman, one who refuses God's wisdom, is never really beautiful. That's what he's saying. So you ready for the lesson? Here we go. Discretion is more important than beauty. Huh? Right? discretion is more important than beauty what does our culture emphasize today beauty right it's all about beauty they never talk about discretion or wisdom true our culture is all about beauty right tiktok instagram facebook you know it right it's all about beauty some of you you know you take your picture on a selfie or something on facebook and you know, because you want to look beautiful. And I don't know why everyone takes a picture, they gotta go do this. Look at me, look at they gotta do this. What's up with that? Right? What's up with that? Right? And then they put all kinds of filters on it, right? Like, well, that, that doesn't look like you, you know, right? Okay. But discretion is more important than beauty. What's discretion? Discretion is, now, and I shared with you from the very beginning of this series, discretion is deciding what should be done in a particular situation using sound judgment. It's carefully assessing. Say assessing. Assessing how and when to act or not under circumstances that require it. It gives us the ability. I love this. It gives you and I the ability to make right, sound decisions. Huh? So beauty without discretion, it just isn't right. Solomon's Solomon's saying it doesn't work. I don't care how beautiful you are, okay? But it does you no good if you have no discretion, right? Honesty and righteousness, words and community, kindness or selfishness. Number four is desires and fulfillment. Say that. Stay with me now, verses 23 to 24. The desire of the righteous ends only in good. Did you get that? The desire of the righteous ends only in good. In other words, it's going to work out for the good. Be fulfilled for the good. The righteous. But, here we go, the contrast, the hope of the wicked only in wrath. So again, the contrast of the righteous and the wicked are seen in their what? In their destinies. The outcome of their life. Verse 24, one man gives freely yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. This contrast comes to poverty. So there's a scattering here, right? There's a scattering that causes increase, and there's a holding that leads to poverty, right? Now, I want you to write this down. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, and we covered this in depth and detail in our series in the book of 2 Corinthians months ago. And Paul writes, whoever so sparingly, will also reap sparingly. Did you get that? And whoever sows generously will also what? Reap generously. David Guzik said this, when we are selfish and ungenerous with what God has given us, we should expect that God would grant less to us. Who? Verse 25, and this goes hand in hand with the previous verse. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be what? Be fresh. So, so here, here's the lesson. Be generous. Say that. Be one who sowed seeds of generosity. Be generous. Now, I want to say this. When it comes to our giving, okay, we need to be generous. Now, now, now I don't want to get too, too much into this, but the idea of a tenth, a tithe, that's Old Testament. That's a good thing. That's a good place to start. Right, good principle to follow. The tithe was mandatory in the Old Testament, but it's never commanded in the New Testament. I want you to follow me here. The law, the law was percentage. New Testament is proportion. Percentage, Old Testament, New Testament, proportion. What was a percentage, Old Testament, is now a proportion, New Testament. By the way, proportional giving can be much more generous giving than just a tithe. Got it? You're safe, say amen. As you mature as a Christian, as you mature in your Christian walk, you understand what giving is all about, don't you? Right? As we grow, we understand what giving is all about. It's it's a natural, normal part of any maturing Christian. So I want to say this. That's why we don't have have to hammer hammer you with it every single week. We rarely talk about money here. Rarely. Are you guys with me? And I trust that God is moving in your heart to give. It's between you and the Lord. We're not really doing really great financially here since COVID and all that, but I'm trusting that God's moving in your heart to give. This is your church, and this is what you call your place of worship, then give. Be generous, amen? I want to say this. There's a place for wisdom in helping people in need. There's people out there who say, can you help me? Use wisdom. Is it a legitimate need or not? Ask God, God, give me wisdom. Should I really help and be generous to this person or not, because there's a lot of shysters out there, right? Got to be careful, but use wisdom in that. And we can't help everybody, I get that, but don't be stingy. Don't be stingy, right? Acts 20, 35, in fact, they quote Jesus here, says it's more blessed to give than to receive. It is so, I don't know about you, but see, I was taught by my parents and through the word of God that it's, it's amazing to give. All right? It's amazing to give. And my parents taught me, man, be generous, Miho. give, be a giver. And and I've I've been taught that all my life. And and I just say, Lord, I'm I'm just going to be generous and be be a giver. It's so, it's such a blessing when you give. Right? It's better to give than to receive. Verses 26 to 27, people curse the man who hoards grain. In other words, the seller of grain who refuses to sell, hoping to to manipulate the market and gain much more of a higher price later. But, say, but, blessing crowns him who is willing to sell. This is the one who sells it. The one who makes it available, right, at a fair and good price. In other words, they care more about people than they do about money. Got it? They care more about people than they do about making money. Nowadays, it's more about, they care more about making money than about caring for people. Verse 27, he who seeks good finds goodwill, but evil comes to him who searches for it. So there's a a good reward for the person who does the right thing, say the right thing. And there's there's a severe punishment, as the text says, for the person who does evil things They will be punished by that which they practice. I want you to get this. Don't forget this. Whatever you pursue will pursue you. Whatever you pursue will pursue you. Whatever you pursue and search for will pursue and search for you. If it's goodness, it'll be goodness. If it's wickedness, it'll be wickedness. Are you guys with me? Point number five, we're almost done here. Gain or loss, say that. Gain or loss. Honesty and righteousness, words and community, kindness or selfishness, desires and fulfillment. And number five, gain or or loss. Verse 28, whoever trusts in his riches. Another one, in other words, one who puts their confidence in their possessions will what? Will what? Fall. Now, I want to say this. Proverbs has a lot to say about wealth and money and its value. We're going to get into that later on in the series, right? But it's very clear that we are never, say never, never to put our trust in riches. Are you guys with me? In Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 23, Mark 10, 17 through 23, speaks of a wealthy young man who who wanted to follow Jesus, right? And Jesus told him, well, if you want to follow me, give everything to the poor. The young man refused. Why? Because he trusted in his wealth rather than trusted in God. But, contrast, the righteous will thrive. I love this. The righteous, say righteous, will thrive like a green leaf. In other words, they put their trust in God rather than in riches, which leads to a flourishing life, a life of, of favor in a life that will flourish. Don't you want that? Huh? But the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Gosh, I love that. It leads, listen, righteousness leads to a flourishing life. Where life, we find favor and we flourish as we live our lives. This is 29 through 30. He who brings trouble on his family will inherit only wind. And the full will be servant to the wise. In other words, since this person brings trouble to their family, okay, their inheritance in the family is just wind. Got it? In other words, they can't hold it. They can't grab onto it or catch it. And this person will end up being the servant of the wise. So guess what? Be good to your family. Right? Amen? Verse 30. The fruit. Of the righteous is a tree of life. Say tree of life, because here you have the metaphor or symbolism of Genesis chapter two, the tree of life. Say tree of life. I, I can't get into that right now, but the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. In other words, this is a life that bears good fruit. Bears good fruit. Now, what comes to mind is I was doing my study. What, what came to mind. Was the nine manifestations of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians, right? Galatians 5 22 through 23. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. That kind of life, that kind of life, I'm going to read it again. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. That kind of life, you know what kind of life does? It brings shade refreshment, and sustenance to those around you. Isn't that awesome? I mean, don't you want to be that for people around you? That I want to live in a way, I want to bear fruit that will bring shade, refreshments, refreshments, excuse me, and sustenance to those around me. Oh, man. Now, now, now follow me here. And he who wins or captures souls is wise. The context here of a life-giving tree is important. Say life-giving tree. I want you to follow me here. Let's let's read this together. The, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. Got that? Say tree of life. Keep that in mind. And he who wins souls is or captures souls is what? Wise. Again, the context here of a life-giving tree is important. So follow me here. The person who bears good fruit attracts others to see the truth and able to lead them to Jesus. Got it? And he who wins or captures souls is wise. This could also mean to influence people with wisdom and win them over to the side of wisdom, prudence, and rightness. In other words, you and I need to live in a way where we bear good fruit that, friends, it will attract others to the way you live Therefore, you can share with them the truth of Christ and bring them to himself. That you live in a way that you influence people with wisdom and you win them over to the side of wisdom and prudence and rightness. It's all about, here we go, influence. Influence. Say influence. We need to be people of influence. Right? Verse 31, we're almost going to wrap this up here. If the righteous receive their due on earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner? In other words, what Solomon's saying, if the righteous are rewarded for their faith and they will be, how much more the wicked are punished for their sins, right? If God meets out justice to his children, how much more will he judge his enemies? Huh? Think about that. Contrary to popular opinion, no one sins and gets away with it. No one sins and gets away with it. And here in the context, the righteous will see their due on earth. How much more the ungodly and the sinner? You know what this is saying basically here is both the righteous and the wicked. Receive the expected consequences, listen now, of their choices. God has given you and I free will to make a choice to either serve him or not, to love him or not, to walk in his ways or not. Are you guys with me? To be one of wisdom or one of wickedness. The choice up to you and up to me. With me? Amen. Let's all stand. Let's all stand.